This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. I'm Martin Strong. This is Vancouver Consumer. It's been a crazy year and a half, and as we move closer to 2022, if you can believe it, it doesn't seem to be getting any less crazy. But it's still important to think about the future. How do you protect what you've worked so hard for? How do you make sure you're positioned properly properly to look after yourself, your retirement, and of course, your family? I'm Martin Strong, and on Vancouver Consumer this afternoon, we've got uh, lots of answers from the folks at Macmillan Estate Planning. Lots of great ideas. That's coming up. But first, some of the consumer news headlines from the past week. With Thanksgiving on Monday, Dr. Bonnie Henry is urging people not to stuff your home with unvaccinated guests. See what I did there? As the Delta COVID-19 variant continues to spread, BC's top doctor is pleading with people who may have big plans to reconsider. She says keep it small and fully vaccinated, especially if any of the guests are immunocompromised. She says we've learned that this virus, especially the Delta strain, is not only way more transmissible, but is causing more severe illness in younger people. One of BC's oldest and largest unions is supporting Uber drivers who claim they were fired for refusing unsafe work. The United Food and Commercials Commercial Workers International Union is taking the cases of several Uber drivers to the BC Labor Relations Board. They filed an unfair labor practice complaint against the tech giant Uber. For the drivers who were fired, the ride-hailing service was the primary source of income. And according to the union, they had also been working for the company for several months without any other incidents before being fired. In fact, one of the drivers reportedly had over 1,000 five-star reviews on his account. In one of the cases, an Uber driver said a customer threatened to lodge a complaint and became violent when the driver asked her to wear a mask. The driver phoned the police, who had to remove the customer from the vehicle. In another incident, a driver refused to take four passengers in his vehicle because this violated Uber's explicit COVID-19 safety regulations. The driver believes that the customer who ordered the trip retaliated against him by leaving a bad review. Two pioneering pop icons are the focus of Vancouver Art Gallery's new exhibition, Growing Freedom, The Instructions of Yoko Ono and the Art of John Lennon and Yoko, opens today and runs until May 2nd, 2022. The installment examines the creative collaboration between uh, Ono and her late husband, Beatles co-founder, of course, John Lennon. The exhibition is organized into two parts. The first emphasizes Ono's often radical approach to visual arts. Some of the featured work invites viewers to participate in the creative process. Guests are welcome to mend broken china or even hammer nails into a canvas. The second portion showcases a bunch of collaborative projects that Yoko and John Lennon did, like the Bed for Pe- Bed In for Peace and the famous... Um, uh, billboard war is over. If you want it, they did a whole campaign of that and visitors to the Vancouver art gallery are encouraged to bring headphones to access audio content throughout the exhibition. A limited supply of disposable headphones will be available as well. And Canada's self-styled greatest athlete is finally getting his due. 
wrestler Gene Kaniski is being inducted into the BC Sports Hall of Fame. Uh, he may not be a household name anymore, but to people of a certain age, he has a special connection to Vancouver, Gene Kaniski. The push to get him inducted started before he passed away in 2010. Born in Edmonton in 1928, Gene Kaniski played one game for the Edmonton CFL team before becoming uh, a professional wrestler. He promoted himself as Canada's greatest athlete, and a lot of people remember him uh, for those TV commercials selling mattresses. Mattress City. This is Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong. Still to come, we'll talk to the folks at Macmillan Estate Planning. Hard to believe 2022 is just around the corner, and they talk about some innovative ways to look after your nest egg and make sure it's protected when it comes to handing it down to the people you love. That's when Vancouver Consumer continues on CKNW. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong, and you know the old saying, anything can happen. Well, we've learned that uh, and then some over the past few years, which means that we need to plan for an unpredictable future to make sure that our estates, everything we've worked for our entire lives, as well as our families, are taken care of if something were to happen unexpectedly. And with me right now from Macmillan Estate Planning are a couple of people who know that all too well. Jack Liu. Hi, Jack. Hi, Martin. Good to be with you. Thanks. And Paul Lindsay. Hey, Paul. Hi, Martin. Yeah, and you guys are here today to share with us some tried and true, tried and true estate planning strategies, which are, um, you know, so so important, and a lot of people are taking advantage of them right now. So, thanks for being here. And before we get to it, I want to I want to mention you have a couple of upcoming virtual seminars, online seminars. Uh, one is Wednesday, October thirteenth at five thirty Pacific time, and then Wednesday, October twenty seventh at five thirty <clears throat> Pacific time. And you can go to uh, the website www.macmillanestate.com to register. You can also call them at one eight three three two six 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 four six four so paul i'll start with you um tell tell me about these seminars it, it sounds like a good way for people who who aren't really sure of what they need in terms of estate planning can kind of get an idea and it's it's easy you just go online you can have a drink in your hand and it's uh, <laughs> it's no problem exactly i mean you know, I'm, I don't think there's anything better to watch on TV than to watch Jack and I talking to you about estate planning. But, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, the way that it's delivered is, is at quite a high level, uh, talking about the, some of the primary topics that we, we, we encounter when it comes to estate planning. You know, we'll talk to, about tax and legal planning, trust planning, things surrounding, you know, the succession of your business. Uh, issues for Canadians with U.S. assets, real estate, things of that nature, charitable giving. It's, it, th th there's a myriad of things, but it's designed to present it at a high level. And if there is interest in exploring any of those further, well, of course, we can have a more detailed discussion. Right. And you're, and you're very humble. And I, and I get it's not exactly like watching Ted Lasso on TV. <laughs> but Topical. But thank you. But, yeah, but if you are... Uh, interested in this, and if if it's something you need, uh, it can be really really interesting because there's a lot of ins and outs in this. There's a lot of aspects to estate planning. Um, 
So what are some of the strategies that uh, you are seeing and working with families, Paul, that are taking advantage of, that they are taking advantage of in 2021 um, as we deal with COVID and what's left of it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Martin, there, there, there are a wide range of considerations that, that have to be borne in mind when, when thinking about the design of, of, of anybody's estate plan. And of course, not all of the strategies that we use are relevant to each and every family. Um, it's, it's fair to say, I think, as you've, you've just sort of pointed to there, that the pandemic and, and, and also the recent election resulted in, in a feeling of uncertainty for many. And maybe it's just human nature. But in these circumstances, I find that people react in such a way that they they focus on protecting what they've built, you know, in in their estate. Okay. Um, In terms of the the, the tools that we're using, uh, perhaps one of the the primary tools is is that of a, a trust. Now, I'm not suggesting there's any bias here, but trusts are an estate planning strategy that have been around for hundreds of years. They were initially for British noble families who wanted to protect their estate for the benefit of future generations. But they still remain relevant today for people who want to safeguard assets whilst making the administration of their estate that little bit more straightforward as well as the added benefit of saving on tax and other fees that can be related to the estate. Right. So, so what is a typical trust like? Uh, I guess there's a million different types, but uh, what's a typical trust that you would set up, say, for, for a, a son or a daughter or something like that? Yeah, again, Martin, great, great point. I mean, it's, it's, it's worth mentioning straight off the top here that trust can be created whilst the person is still alive or... Alternatively, they can come into being after they pass away. Now, most of the families that we work with, they really like the idea of being able to protect their wealth through their bloodline after they pass away. And that get, because it gives them the opportunity to include conditions and as a result, using trusts as part of their will planning is, is really common. But at the same time, and as I've alluded to previously many of the families we work with are also really keen to protect the estate during their lifetime so they can enjoy the estate they've built in retirement um, and in that scenario sort of lifetime or what we call and this is just fancy latin intervivos trusts are becoming increasingly more common particularly given that as well as protecting assets they can be used to mitigate things like probate fees things of that nature yeah. So an inter vivos trust. So, so um, for example, I mean, I guess the main reason for, for a trust is, is to save money on taxes. But there's also the idea of, of say, giving a 20-year-old uh, a huge sum of money, which is, I guess, is a bit problematic at times. Yeah, it, absolutely. I mean, I, I think perhaps the primary thing, it's all about this idea of protection, and when we are we are crafting these trusts, we're thinking about, you know, how can we protect this this wealth? And exactly as you said, Martin, you know, some families will come to us and say, I am not happy about my 
potentially my 20-year-old son or daughter inheriting this huge sum of money on a no-strings-attached basis. I know exactly what they're going to do with it, and I, I don't mean to make generalizations, but it's either going to end up in the hands of the Ferrari dealership or somewhere that's selling high-end handbags, those sorts of things. So using the trust, we can sort of stipulate things like a child has to be a certain age or maybe even that they've got to undergo almost like a mentoring process with you know, a family friend or a professional or something like that, so that they fully appreciate how they must manage this trust. Right. We're talking to Paul Lindsay and Jack Liu from Macmillan Estate Planning, all about estate planning. You can go to their website, macmillanestate.com. They've got a couple of uh, seminars coming up Wednesday, October 13th at 5.30 Pacific time, and then another one Wednesday, October 27th. So um, moving over to you, Jack, um, we were talking about trust. What's the difference between a, a, that kind of typical trust and an investment trust? Hmm. That's a great question, Martin. So investment trusts are actually another type of intervivals trust. Again, you know, a.k.a. Uh, the lifetime trust, meaning, you, you know, the sort of trust uh, or trust-like account that you can set up during your lifetime. But the objective is to protect your retirement nest egg and your assets in general, your liquid uh, financial assets in general throughout your life, such as, you know, a family trust that, you know, protects the assets inside or from, you know, various uh, third-party claims. And if properly set up, uh, believe it or not, Martin, it can also provide some tax savings for the investments held inside for the benefit of the entire family. And another layer of this protective shield that we can build around the, the retirement nest egg and small business assets, let's say, is also the use of uh, an investment trust that you, you mentioned about, um, you know, they're really popular with people who, you know, we usually speak to, right? Mostly because they allow these investors, or I mean, these trusts, allow these investors to grow their wealth via the stock market, knowing that their principal is properly guaranteed and, and protected from the creditor's claim or, or potential litigants' claim. It is a tool that is very popular because, you know, the benefit or the tool itself benefits from trust-like protective features uh, to the invest uh, investments held inside under the Insurance Act. And these benefits often include the principal guarantees, profit, you know, resets, creditors and lawsuits protection, like I, you know, just alluded to, and last but not least, the bypass of the probate, especially, you know, uh, in British Columbia when the probate is very expensive, bypassing of the probate can save you a lot of money. So you're saying these investment trusts can be set up and actually work for the person who's setting it up, not just for the people who are going to survive that person. The person might still be alive. It, exactly. It is advantageous for people who are still alive and, and you know, they, they are still enjoying the assets, the wealth that they, you know, they work hard to build. Right. And uh, they can be tricky, uh, investment trusts, and that's why you want to go to somebody like Macmillan estate.com uh, uh, to, to make sure that uh, everything is done correctly. What are, what are some of the downsides that people should be aware of when it comes to an investment trust? Mm -hmm. 
So, so Martin, uh, like everything else in this world, there are upsides and downsides, right? So with the investment trust, there, uh, there are no, no exception. I mean, um, clients should be aware of them. Some of the key considerations include, for example, there's, there's always a cost to managing the assets inside the investment trust. And, you know, a fund manager is, is hired to make the day-to-day trading decisions for you. Uh, so that is to say that perhaps, you know, one day you'll get up and say, oh, you know, watch the news and Tesla went up in price and you want to buy some. Uh, you cannot do that. So this is uh, sort of, you know, a, a, a minor downside to it. Uh, it, is, it is not your day-to-day kind of trading account per se. But there are also uh, potential taxation issues arising from the realized capital gains when the client decides to move the existing investments elsewhere to the investment trust. You know, that, that is sometimes a, a major uh, consideration. Um, uh, last but not least, this, you know, when the client, you know, finally decides to, uh, to move, um, you know, the existing investments into the into the uh, investment trust, the relinquishing or, you know, the, the uh, delivering uh, institution, financial institution might charge you uh, a commission or a penalty even uh, for that liquidation. So, um, you know, Martin, these are the downsides. But I often say to my clients, the various benefits uh, an investment trust provides uh, often outweighs these potential costs by a long shot. For example, value can be preserved for our clients to stay due to the state distribution directly going to their benefic- uh, beneficiaries without a probate, which eliminates probate taxes, probate accounting, and legal fees, which quite, can be quite hefty, right? And the investment right. trust can also, you know, um, compensate a lot of, uh, you know, uh, the cost incurred by giving the clients that peace of mind. Right. So it, it, it is, it sounds kind of complicated, but I'm glad that you guys are, are handling it. And it's basically an umbrella of investments, but it's kind of protected uh, tax-wise. Is that, is, that, is that oversimplification? No, no, Barton, that, that is more than fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we're talking to Jack Liu and Paul Lindsay from Macmillan Estate uh, Planning. Macmillan Estate Planning. MacmillanEstate.com is the website. And you can go there right now, MacmillanEstate.com, and sign up for their uh, virtual seminars Wednesday, October 13th at 5.30, and then again Wednesday, October 27th at 5.30, because uh, estate planning is is complicated, and you need experts. And I, I, I think that's why you need to get a hold of Macmillan Estate Planning. one 266 6464 is the toll-free phone number. one 266 6464. And when we come back, we're going to talk more about how you can protect what you have and make sure that when you leave or even before you leave, that it's protected and that the people you love, your family are well taken care of. That's when Vancouver Consumer continues right after this. I'm Martin Strong. Welcome back. It's Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong, and we're talking about the elephant in the room, the fact that uh, nobody lives forever. 
And we're talking about estate planning with the folks from Macmillan Estate Planning, Jack Lou and Paul Lindsay. You can visit their website at macmillanestate.com and sign up for one of their seminars. There's one coming up Wednesday, October 13th at 5.30 p.m., Wednesday, October 27th at 5.30 as well. You can also give them a call at one 833 266-6464. And uh, Paul, I, I mentioned the the elephant in the room when it comes to estate planning. I guess it it uh, calls for some, you know, some hard talk, hard discussion, because a lot of people, I'm guessing, don't like to talk about the inevitable. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think that's that's uh, a story as old as time, isn't it? Nobody wants yeah. to think about. Well, some do, you know, I mean, it's yeah. uh, quite a pessimistic view on the world. But, um, yeah, it's a difficult thing to address sometimes. Uh, the one thing I would say is that in, when it comes to looking at a typical client for estate planning, there is no rule book. It's not just for the, the generation who are in retirement. I mean, we have a number of clients who, yes, by their own admission would say, well, I am now in my 60s and possibly I've left this a little bit too late, but I have an estate that I want to protect, that I want to enjoy in retirement, but which I wish to leave as a, a legacy to my, to my family. That's obviously a, a clear-cut example of of someone who would who would be looking to have those sorts of of conversations but then on the flip side we act for you know entrepreneurs in their 20s and 30s who it's it's just looking at it from a from a slightly slightly different angle but as you say it is always a difficult question to broach and i think the best thing that i could say there is this isn't just about what happens when you die it is about planning for your you know, your future, and more importantly, planning in such a way that you get to do whatever it is that you want with your estate in your lifetime. Yeah, that, I, li- I like the sound of that. And do you find that most people underestimate uh, the value of their estate? Sometimes. I mean, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? I mean, particularly in uh, a market where real estate has been exploding in value, you know, almost exponentially over the, the, the last years. Sometimes if, if you're not keeping a real eye on, say, the real estate market in that example, then perhaps you don't realize quite how much wealth you have, you know, inside your estate. Um, that being said, I, I do find that, particularly when it comes to the financial aspect, many people treat that 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 idea of of managing their investment portfolio in the same way as they might if they were, you know, going off to play golf or something like that. It's a hobby, and they love it. They love watching the market and things like that. I mean, I'm sure they, you know, love it when times are good, but less so when times are bad. But um, but but yeah, it's uh, it's 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 something you know that is quite quite delicate, should we say? Yeah, and you you mentioned that uh, it it could be for people even in their twenties for entrepreneurs. But um, who? I mean, this is a generalization, and I hope you can answer it. But who is somebody that could benefit from estate planning with Macmillan Estate Planning that uh, might not know that they they can they could benefit from it? Yeah, great question, Martin. Um, I would say that being candid, there is a need to have an estate. 
our typical client will own generally a mix of real estate, various different kinds of financial investment. It's very common for them to have, have a business. And again, I, maybe I'm, I'm doing a disservice to, to small business owners, but sometimes they're focused so much on developing the business and keeping things ticking over, particularly uh, based on you know, the way the world has been in the last couple of years, that maybe they, they lose sight of exactly how much that asset is worth. Um, I find that clients who have that nice mix of assets, they really can benefit from some, you know, from estate planning. Right. I, I read a disturbing statistic uh, about uh, small businesses and something like 65% of them don't survive the passing over of the business to the next generation. If, you know, somebody retires and they, they give the business to their, to their child. And I don't know, maybe Jack, you, you have a thought on this, but how important is it for a, a business owner, a small business or, you know, how, however big it is for them to consult with a, an estate planner? like Macmillan mm -hmm. Estate Planning, for a succession. Mm -hmm. So, Martin, you know, uh, uh, your statistics uh, sound very reasonable because, uh, you know, uh, small businesses in Canada uh, normally do not survive, you know, beyond the third generation. That is largely not because of they're not, you know, the owners and, uh, of the business uh, are not hardworking. It is far from that, but it is because of lack of proper planning of the succession and lack of, hence, you know, the proper governance of their, of their operation con or continued operation of the small businesses. So that is why, you know, we're here uh, to help our business clients uh, or business owner clients to, to make sure that the transition is smooth, taxes can be, you know, can be mitigated, but proper governance in, is in place for the next generations to carry on the business, just like their hardworking, you know, parents or even grandparents. And make make sure that the business is still relevant, you know, in today's market. And you know, Martin, to that point, I want to say uh, there will always be a process from the consultation to you know designing of the plan and to you know uh, the implementation of the plan. There will be a lot of time spent. But let me reassure you and and the you know the audience that spending time with us is well worth it. Sometimes I'm, you know, it's really hard for Paul and me to put a price tag on, you know, um, what has been done and what kind of service that, that or, you know, what kind of cost, um, uh, you know, um, in, in association with, you know, perhaps, you know, the benefits that could, could, gener uh, the, could generate through the business or through the service. But let me tell you one thing, the result, the peace of mind, sometimes is priceless. Right. And, and I think, you know, listening to you guys, you, you guys obviously know what you're talking about. And uh, it, it seems very clear that the, the tax implications can be, can be very valuable, but sometimes it can be a little intimidating. And, uh, and Paul, I like the way you guys can kind of uh, sort of make it seem a, a human experience versus just a numbers thing. That must be important to you. Yeah, that, that's that's a huge factor in in the the, the ethos of the business that we have. It's, it's remembering that the families that we work with are, are real life people, not just 
numbers on the front of a file or, or something like that. Because when it comes to estate planning, it, it's not just about the hard issues like legal planning and tax work, things of that nature. It's also getting to grips with the dynamic of the family, the personalities, um, and, and ensuring that the, the, the planning that we structure for them is reflective of that. Right. We're talking to Paul Lindsay and Jack Liu from Macmillan Estate Planning. And you can go to their website, macmillanestate.com, and sign up for one of their virtual seminars. Uh, Wednesday, October 13th at 5.30. Wednesday, October 27th at 5.30. And uh, just what we were talking about, tax planning, legal planning, trust planning, business succession. Um, it's all there. And, and one thing I wanted to ask about was charitable giving, like people who leave behind a sizable, and even just a regular, a regular estate, people want to, to, to leave something to their favorite charity. How important is it um, to, to, to do it right and to go through an estate planner to, to, to make sure that your charitable giving is done properly? I'll leave that one to Jack. Thank you, Martin. Thank, thank you, Martin. So charitable giving is a noble cause, right? A lot of clients or a lot of Canadians in general have been doing it regularly. That is what makes the country great. Um, I have to say that whilst we do that, uh, we need to keep in mind that, you know, charitable giving can give rise to, um, you know, some of the tax planning opportunities that small business owners or, um, you know, the, the families who, who have a, a reasonable size of wealth uh, to, to capture, that is the, the tax credits that they could, you know, enjoy. We often say that, you know, it is, it is nice that you pay tax because we're proud of, you know, we're, we're proud taxpayers. But instead of paying taxes and let somebody else to dictate how to use our money, we donate it to the charities to, to make sure that we know where the money goes and, you know, uh, we, we, we can really support the causes that we are passionate about. So while we do that, we enjoy some tax-saving opportunities. Some of the opportunities, uh, Martin, uh, will be unintentionally wasted or will, will be on, on, you know, overlooked. So we want to make sure that those tax planning opportunities will never be lost whilst, of course, our families continue to support their causes that they're passionate about. Again, like I said, donating to charitable organizations is such a noble cause that Paul and I or, you know, the practitioners in our office will also be passionate uh, to support our clients. Right. And you just want to make sure you take advantage of the tax savings. I mean, uh, it's, it's important. And, and if, if you don't do it properly, I guess you can miss out on a lot of tax savings. That's exactly it, Martin. Mm -hmm. So let's talk a little bit about uh, the federal election. Uh, you guys follow uh, the law, you know, what, what goes on with uh, not only the promises that the politicians are making, but the actual laws that get changed. Have things uh, changed any with this election? And what do you, what do you see in the future? Sort of any, anything concerning any new taxes that people should be aware of? I'll, I'll leave that one with uh, Paul. I, I think at, at, at this point in time, Martin, what we're, we're seeing is, is nothing overly controversial. 
Um, I know it, it, it's great, you know, for, for us to be able to talk about it. But as things stand off the back of the, the election last week, there doesn't seem to be anything at this point that is going to dramatically change the landscape in terms of, you know, taxation and things like that. Now, of course, who knows what the future holds, but you know, at this point in time, I, I believe that it's it's more a question of just maintaining the status quo. Yeah, and I guess there's all sorts of talk about taxing real estate differently, which would have a huge effect on estate planning. But I guess it's also, you know, at this point, kind of political suicide. So it probably won't happen for a while. Well, yeah, absolutely. And and, and there, there's been sort of all sorts of talk about maybe... Uh, dispensing with the the principal residence exemption for capital gains tax purposes. And, and I think to do that, and this, of course, is just my humble opinion, is exactly, as you say, Martin, political suicide. Uh, there were some some sort of more, uh, some, some, some quieter, if you like, proposals concerning the, the real estate market and so forth, where, um, you know, younger, perhaps first-time buyers were going to get some sort of tax relief if they wanted to take money from their RSA or something like that to use towards uh, the, the purchase of a, of a first home. But yeah, I think the, the, the topic that you raised first and foremost um, that always rears its head at that sort of time is in connection with the main residence exemption, which for the avoidance of doubt just remains as is for the time being. Right. We're talking to Macmillan Estate Planning. I want to thank you guys. Uh, that was Paul Lindsay along with Jack Lou. Uh, enjoy the rest of your afternoons, guys. You too, Martin. You too. Right on. Thank you, Martin. And if you, and if you want to uh, go to their virtual seminar, it's online, macmillanestate.com. You can register for it Wednesday, October 13th at 5.30 and Wednesday, October 27th, uh, also at 5.30. And we'll be back with more Vancouver Consumer right after this. I'm Martin Strong. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong, and people living in Vancouver won't have to pay extra to park their cars overnight on residential streets, but it was close. The plan was shot down by city council with the mayor casting the deciding vote opposing the move this past Wednesday. Staff's Climate Emergency Parking Program proposed a permit for vehicles parked between midnight and 7 a.m., outside your house at a flat rate of $45.45 per year. Low-income households would have paid a reduced fee of $5 per year. In addition, an annual pollution charge of up to 1000 bucks would have been added if you bought a car after 2023 that didn't meet certain targets for emissions. These recommendations, according to city staff, are being made as part of an overall effort to reduce emissions and to help Vancouver contribute its fair share in the global effort to limit warming to one and a half degrees Celsius. Mayor Kennedy Stewart voted against the plan, but he didn't explain why during the meeting in a statement issued afterwards, he said he made the decision after hearing from dozens of speakers and carefully considering both sides. See, the biggest knock against the plan was that it would have asked those renting basement suites, for example, or people who had to have a a car for their job to pay more, while people who had houses with, with a parking lot or a garage wouldn't have to pay anything. Members in favor of the plan cited the climate crisis, saying it is an emergency that requires an urgent 
response and that it is incumbent upon the city to act on it. One city's councillor, Christine Boyle, says the proposal isn't perfect, but to, but to vote this down without suggesting anything to replace it is a failure of courage and creativity. She points out that the pro- proposal is 45 bucks a year, $3.75 a month, or $5 a year for those who can't afford more. And she said, if we're so concerned about poverty and equity, there's a lot more that the city could do to address inequalities across the city, including better funding for public and community services. Adrian Carr pointed to the summer's deadly heat dome and the devastating fire that destroyed Lytton as recent events that underscore the dangers of climate change. Another councillor, Melissa DiGenova, said that she has never been in favour of this parking plan, saying that even a small amount of money every year adds to the city's unaffordability. And she says she thinks incentives are a better way to lower emissions than fees, fees, and more fees. As she puts it, we're going to get a lot farther with carrots than we are with sticks. This is Vancouver Consumer. I'm Martin Strong, and we are here every Saturday from 2 to 4 in the afternoon. I want to thank our fearless producer, Jonathan Chung, for uh, doing all the work behind the board. And uh, I want you to have a great, long Thanksgiving Day weekend. I'm Martin Strong. The news is next. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.